times that with God you have to enter in a point of no return. It's like jumping out of an airplane or jumping off a cliff. You might have a parachute, but still, you can't go back in the plane. Or you can't go back to the cliff. Once you jump, you done committed yourself that you can't turn back. That's why many people don't jump with God. Because they done lost that ability to change their mind. That's why the day you got saved, God made you jump. And then he said, you can't take it back. Because you save and you save, you save. Because there's nothing you can do about it. As we start our journey, when you go, I need you to start walking around the land and praying. But when you pray, I also want you to look. Don't look at what you see. Look at what it's going to be. God said that when you get to your promised land, you're going to put new wine in new wine skin. Oh, y'all ain't got that. Come on, come on. Y'all ain't got you, you think you're going to put stuff on top? No. It's going to be new. New. And new wine skin. Yesterday, I had the wonderful experience. You know, God got me in this teaching mode. Amen. I really want to preach, but he won't let me preach. And the women's conference was here, and they got, you know, they, yeah, I show up, they dragged me in. But I wanted to see, you, you, you got to let God work. So yesterday when the lady was prophesying, and then she called me and my wife up, I really was intrigued on what was she going to say. Come to find out she couldn't say nothing. she couldn't say nothing is because I already knew what not to say. Because she felt and knew. I already knew. So she didn't have to say nothing. But she did say one thing that I do know she was supposed to say. She just said promotion. So this prayer only took about three, two or three minutes and I was done while everybody else was going through you know, when you go through things, and I'm already trying to warn you, when you go through victories, you know that there and ministers and preachers need to really learn this. The most vulnerable time that you are available to be attacked 
Y'all learn this. Is when you get victories in your life. Amen. That's when you put your guards down and you celebrate. And that's when Satan be waiting on you. Because when you got it, when you get a victory, you're vulnerable to a defeat. And many of us have to understand that God wants you to rejoice. But you gotta watch that things is waiting on you. Every time I preach, things is waiting on me when I get out of the pulpit. Sometimes the war starts before I even get to the battle. Because God uses all of this to build your faith. Unfortunately, many of us think that nothing is supposed to happen to us. I keep looking at this Bible going, what folk are these? Because when we understand that we got to do what God wants us to do, then we got to understand that you go, if you got a child of God, the first thing that we say, the day you leap, you leap into a war. Did you get that? Because Satan didn't like the fact that you leap. And he just declared war. So if you're in the midst of something right now, understand that it's good. It's good because when you know that you are being under attack or something is going on, you know you're in God's will. That's true, I mean, yeah, I enjoy being in His will. That's why I take those little, little wings and flap them and stuff because when I know I'm in his will, I expect to be attacked. But see, the thing about being attacked is if you are equipped, yeah. <laughs> see, if you're equipped, see, if y'all been catching the news, Antonio Brown is over there fighting about his helmet because he don't want to change him. Because NFL is trying to protect him and he don't want to change him. But when you are quick, you don't worry about attacks. Because they can't do nothing to you. Many of us is in this mental state of defeat. You done lost before you got on the field. You done lost the minute you woke up. You so used to losing. But we gonna turn that around. Because yeah. I have a victorious God. He ain't lost a fight yet. He haven't lost a war yet. But he'll let you lose to learn. All right, all right, that's true. Uh huh. That's true. Come on. He'll let you lose to learn. Amen. I started the series on divine season, the divine moment. 
And last week I talked to you about when you seize God's divine moment, that's God's opportunity to show out in your life. But the key to seizing a divine moment is today I want to talk to you about obeying and initiating. And many of us struggle with both. We want to obey, but we don't want to obey the way God wants us to obey. So today we're going to look at, last week we looked at Jonathan's victory when he was willing to go by himself because he sees the moment of God. And he understood God enough that he had enough faith to walk out and do what God then called him to do. Now I taught this yesterday, now I'm going to teach you. If you are walking into the spirit of God and you're being led by the spirit of God, then when that divine moment comes up, you don't even have to pray about it. Because God has led you to a divine moment. And so it kind of bothers me a lot when I hear the body of Christ, especially Christians, when God is supposed to be leading them, then they enter into what he's been leading them to, then they say they got to pray about it. So really, who was leading you? Because there's times in my life now, and I'm so proud of me, but I learned that now I don't even have to hesitate because I know this is from God. So to seize a divine moment, you've got to obey and initiate. Here, we're going to see the opposite. And you're going to learn some stuff, too, in this opposite. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, this is the opposite of what Jonathan done. Saul is a good example of not what to do. Even though he was anointed by God, he, was, he wasn't chosen. The folk chose him. But he got God let him have the position. But in the midst of having the position, then his normal nature of who he was and how he really felt about God gradually surfaces. Sometime in your life, how you view and choose God it's going to surface in your life. You can praise, you can wing flat wings, you can jump over pews, and you can do somersaults and fake everybody out how high holy you went through. But when push come to shove, God is going to reveal who you really are or how you are about him. Amen. Watch this. Saul was 30 years old when he began to reign. He reigned for 42 years. Now Saul chose himself 3,000 men of Israel, 2,000 which were with Saul in Mishmah, 
and in the hill country of Bethel, while a thousand were with Jonathan and Gibrath and of Benjamin. He sent, oh, he sent, but he sent away the rest of the people, each to his tent. Jonathan smote the, gar the garrison of the Philistines, which was in Gibeah. And then the Philistines heard of it. See, Jonathan appeared, and they said, the Israelites is here. Then Saul, because Jonathan won this battle. But watch this. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout the land, letting the Hebrews hear. All of Israel heard the news that Saul had smitten the garrisons of the Philistines. And they also, also that Israel had become a elders to the Philistines. And the people then were summoned to Saul in Gilgal. Now the Philistines assembled to fight Israel. They had 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and people in the sand like that of the seashore in abundance. They came up and camped in Mishnah, east of Beth, 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 Beth Avon, I know the word, I was thinking Avon. <laughs> when the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people was hard pressed. The people, now you know they had a victory, hid themselves <laughs> in the caves, in the thickets. <laughs> Let me build some, get me some grass and throw for me. In the cliffs, in the cellars, and in the pits, I got the hide. And some of the Hebrews crossed the land into the Jordan, into the land of Gad and Gilead. But as for Saul, he still was in Gilead, and the people followed him trembling. Oh, Mizpah. <laughs> now, he waited seven days. According to the appointed time by Samuel. That's why I got this on today. But Samuel did not come to Gilgad. And the people were scattering from him. See, as a leader, don't expect the folk to hang around when trouble comes. Don't think they're your boys when trouble comes. And if you're a pastor of a church when the ship looks like it's going down, you supposed to go down with it. They said, that ain't me. If you want to get rid of a church and watch folk, let some stuff come into church. They're going to be at other folk church. Talking about that church's church. I'm just telling you what I know. So Saul said, bring me a burnt offering and a peace offering. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he finished the offering and the burnt offering, behold, Samuel sold up. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Lesson. But Samuel said, how many of you think you're doing right by God? Did you get with God and God said, I didn't tell you to do that. Hello? How many of you think you know what God wants done and go out and do it and God look at you like, I didn't tell you to do that. How many of you so traditional as think you know God so much that you know exactly what he's going to do in every situation and you just go do it? But Samuel says, what have you done? 
And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattering from me, that you did not come at the appointed days, that the Philistines were assembling in Mishmach. Therefore, I said, now that the Philistines had come down at me against me in Gilead, and I have not asked the favor of the Lord, so I forced myself and offered a burnt offering. Oh, Samuel said to Saul, you acted foolishly. Yet, you have not kept the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom in Israel forever. Are you ready? But now your kingdom shall not endure. He, you had a chance to be, but due to your ways, now you can't be. The Lord has sought out for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has appointed a, as a ruler over the people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. Amen. Many of us got to understand to seize God's divine moment. You can't assume what you know. You must allow God to show you, speak to you, and gather you into what he wants you to do. Saul's downfall is not that God didn't want him to succeed. But what Saul ended up doing over time, and I can speak from personal testimony, that sometimes you can get so many victories with God because God is blessing you to bless his people that your pride starts to rise. Many of us don't think we're prideful. Many of us want to be humble. Many of us put on a facade of humbleness. But deep down inside of you, there's something about you that you think that you know God and you know God better than anything because of who you are with God. But notice that God always got somebody above you. God always got somebody that you still got an answer to. The problem with us today is you don't like a hierarchy. But let me help you about heaven and a hierarchy. Don't you know there's a hierarchy of angels? And there's only five that's called archangels. And all the millions of angels are in their position. And they understand that them five is the ruling angel. But man got a problem. Just because you the king <laughs> don't mean that the king got the right to do what they want to do. When you out to seize a divine moment with God, you got to first obey God. But obedience is an action word. 
It is not a word that you just say, I'm going to obey God and don't do nothing. But then you got to initiate your obedience. But many of us done wrestled in our own hearts. I want to obey God. When the moment comes, oh, that wasn't it. Preach it. That's All right, right, Pastor. Because to obey means you got to know what to obey. Right. You can't trust him if you don't know what to trust. You can't. See, we want to claim these things, but most of us is like so. You pretty much know what you want to do. And when the situation comes and the right moment of God comes, obeying God now gets challenged. Many of us, now let me tell you this from personal experience. I hate being a leader. I really hate, y'all know how bad I am, was. <laughs> And still is. <laughs> Compared to Jesus, I'm still bad. Right. I might look better than y'all, but at least I know I'm still bad. Right. See, y'all ain't got see, see, y'all ain't got that act. See, y'all ain't guess that. See <laughs> But in my own personal life, this is why I can relate to this. When you get so much with God, and God starts to bless you. Then you can gradually, oh, Jesus, help me with this. And it's subtle. You don't even know it. It becomes ingrained in your nature. And you didn't even know the poison was sitting there. And it gradually comes in you. And it seems normal. And the reason why it seems normal is because God is blessing you do whatever you doing. But then you gotta watch yourself. Because deep down inside this poison comes in you. And it starts to rise up in you and you didn't even know it. And then I'm gonna teach you something. Saul reigned for 42 years. He started off good. God was proud of him. But over time, over time, his pride starts to rise up and know what exactly what God wants him to do. The same thing is going on today when God tells the man of God to tell them to do this. They got so much pride that they know exactly what God wants them to do. But why would he tell the man of God if he didn't want you to know what God wanted you to do. Saul, Saul's mistake was that over time he did what Samuel was supposed to do. Why do I preach stay in your lane? Because if you don't stay in your lane, you're going to get your behind beat by God because you're doing stuff that he didn't tell you to do. And when you learn what you're supposed to do, and watch this, I don't care what you used to do. He's talking about what you're supposed to do right now. I don't care if you were the CEO of IBM. When you come in this church, you bow down. Because you ain't in charge of IBM here. Because the man of God 
is in charge of the attack. That's where the problem is. I remember being a chaplain in the Air Force. I used to look at generals and colonels sitting on the front row, but they couldn't tell me what to preach and what to say. You got power, but you ain't got this kind of power. You can run the United States military, but you ain't running God's house. And them stars and bars gonna bow down to the anointed. Oh, so when you seize the moment, God, y'all hear this? Obeying God is not a reaction of circumstances or your feelings and your thoughts. Y'all write this down. Obeying God is not a reaction of your thoughts and your feelings. Guess who could care less about your thoughts and your feelings? God is saying, if you're going to obey me, I don't care what you think, and I don't care how you feel. Because obedience is not based on those things. Obedience is based on what God does say. It reminds me of a story. This is how you know when you are immature Christian. Although Pastor, you didn't say that. When you are feelings driven, that's like taking one of them children and put them in front of put them in the steering wheel behind the steering wheel of that car. And you telling that four-year-old kid to drive you around. That's to what your feelings do to you. You taking an immature person <coughs> and you trying to let them drive you around because feelings change. After immaturity, but watch this. Obeying God do not change because either you're going to do it Are you not? Ralph McManus observed this. You can't follow God in neutral. And, and let me give you some earthly news. God created you to do something. Even those who change the world and who makes a difference in history, who live, live they live rather than simply watching have at least one characteristic. They had one characteristic among them. And this is why you talk about people like me, because they do something. They, they understand that God is a moving God. He's not staying right there. He transcends time, because he above time. He controls time, because he is time. When he talks time, he's talking in your language, but he don't have a time frame. Because I'm above it, I started to watch. I started time. I make the sun rise and come up. You are a 24 hour clock. I'm above the clock because I'm the one that creates. Oh, somebody else. 
That's why you got to learn to do something. And throughout scriptures, God tells us to do something. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2 tells us this. Now it came to pass that if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully, that's the key word, all his commandments, which he commanded you today, that the Lord your God will set you on somebody. Let me give you a promise. The Lord your God will set you above all nations on earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake because you obeyed my voice. That's what the word says. That's what it says. I'm sorry if I believe it. Because I know that I can be risen above things if I just obey what he done told me to do. Obedience brings blessings of God. We hear when praises come up, blessings come down. Let me educate you. You praising God not for the blessing. You praising God because of goodness of God. But obedience is what's going to make you get the blessing. See, it ain't going against the Bible. I'm going with the Bible. And the first step of obedience is you got to have the initiative to do. Saul had the initiative to obey, but he disobeyed. How did he disobey? Because he was instructed to wait. Watch this. I was having this discussion this morning. And people love to try to tell you stuff. You uh, <laughs> were me. <laughs> Why does God show up when God want to show up? Not only because he got there's a lesson in waiting. See, he told him to wait seven days. Samuel was late, according to man. But Samuel wasn't late, according to God. Because God told him when to show up. And let me show you if you want to get a lesson. The reason why God delayed him in coming. Because you see what they do when he's not there. And God revealed to them the weaknesses of waiting because they started to scatter when the enemy showed up. They started to run when they thought they wasn't going to make it. They started to do things that they weren't supposed to do because they didn't have enough faith to know what God knows and do what God said. He may not show up when he wanted, but he's going to show up right on time. And many of us, when you see the crowd, when you see the enemy, and God told you to wait, then you need to learn to do what God done told you to do. He said, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like the wings, like the eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. 
God tells you to wait because he's renewing us. What you need to do, don't you worry about what you see. You obey on what you heard. And the voice of the Lord said, wait. And well, matter what's going on in your life, you just wait. No matter what other folk is telling you, you just wait. Because watch this. When you don't wait, notice what the Bible says. Saul couldn't wait. So he was supposed to have his kingdom last forever. Let me put this in earthen practical terms. From personal experience. When you don't wait, I went through a period that I didn't wait on God. I did something, and for nine months, I thought, like Saul, I thought I was okay. The Bible said, Saul in 42 years, but in them nine months of my life, all of a sudden, I thought I was okay. I knew I was disobeying God. But I thought I was okay. But over time, other nine months, God started retracting the kingdom that he was given because of the disobedience of not waiting. It took nine years to recover from nine months of disobedience. Let me help you out. Because of grace and getting back in line with what God done said. He said to me, now I can use you again. But I'm here to taste. Every time you disobey, every time you think you can do what you want to do, Every time you listen to them jack-leg preachers that tell you to go against the word of God, I'm here to tell you, you are gradually, you hear me, you are gradually, you are gradually descending from the kingdom that he wanted to give you. Because we think we can disobey and not do nothing. Van Stone said this, waiting can be the most intense and prognosis of all human experiences. Because you are McDonald's world. You are Burger King world. You used to do it your way. But when you get with God, he's out to strip you of that. And waiting is experience by experience, which is designed to strip you of all of your values and all of yourself so God can start to rebuild you his way. Waiting forces you to decide if I'm going to be selfish or not. Waiting starts to reveal your selfishness 
about yourself. Saul revealed his true heart about God because he didn't want to wait on God. He wanted the glory for himself that was deep down inside of him. Waiting causes affliction. And through affliction, you're going to have times that you're going to battle with God. But God loves you so much that he wants to, He don't want just your mind. He just don't want your body. God wants all of you. Amen. And he's coming after all of you. Amen. You want to give him your mind. He said, no, I want all of you. You want to give him your heart. He says, no, I want all of you. You want to give him the mind and the heart. He says, no, I want all of you. He keeps telling you, you keep trying to give me pieces, I'm coming after the rest of it because I want all of you. You give me a toe, I'm getting the foot. You give me a finger, I'm coming after the hand. But by the time I get through, I'm going to get all of you. God desires for us to be proactive. And when God tells us to wait, we got the power to wait. The biggest problem is God likes to let Satan stir up stuff around you. And see, the biggest problem with us is, if you admit it, it's not that you don't want to obey, but your greatest fear is fear. You more scared of fear than you are of God. Say that again. And then you want to run around and say, God knows my heart. All right. And God done revealed your heart to you. to you so that you will do something. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. The more God blesses you in life, the more you have to lose. The more you have to lose, the more you have to risk. The more you risk, the higher the price of following God. We have twisted this. God's blessings to us has become our greatest hindrance in doing what God wants us to do in seizing the divine moment. In other words, the more he bless you, the more less you start to obey him. Because you're scared of what you're about to lose. And the forgot who gave it to you. See, the more we get, the less we are to obey. Because we're going we to fool ourselves and say, God won't do that. Well, I don't know what book you read. Because the more you got, the more risk you got to take. And the more risk you got to take, the more you got to give up stuff. And the more stuff you got, it's hard to follow God. That's why when he went to the rich rum ruler and he said, I done done all that you done told me to do. He said, can you do one thing? Can you give up all that you got and follow me? Because the more you got, the harder it is to take that risk and trust God. He says, those that follow me gotta lay down everything and work and do what I called you to do. When the body of Christ know that you got a God that can 
the things that you got now. Because he got better things for you to get. But you can't take the rest of losing antique stuff. That God wants to give you new stuff. You want to keep the typewriter. But he want to give you a laptop. You want to keep the jalopy. But he wants to give you a Mercedes. You want to keep the house. And God wants to give you a mansion. Because God is saying, if you trust me, what I gave you over here, I'm going to give you. You got to get rid of your unbelieving fear to initiate obedience. I'm sorry. We didn't preach you into God don't take away. I'm sorry somebody taught you that. But not only does God want to take it away, God also want to bless you the best when you say, Lord, you ain't got to take it here. Because I know I'm going to get blessed. Hallelujah. I know I'm going to get blessed. I know I'm going to get blessed. See, here's where most of us sit. We sit in uninformed fear. Uninformed fear is because you don't know the word. You know a couple of scriptures and think that's God. I probably looked at that. Excuse me. This is how much it is. He, wait a minute, let me help you. This ain't even all of him. This is all you can handle. The Bible even said we couldn't even write down all of him. So this ain't even all of him. And you struggling with just this. Well then what do you think he can do? Because in here is enough to keep you busy trying to get to him. Because he's greater. See, when you don't know scripture and you don't know his promises, then you fail to hide the word in your heart. And most of us refuse to let the Holy Spirit teach us to hear his voice and to obey his voice. Most of us, if I ask you, and you can hear it in the testimony, when I hear people say, I think the Lord said, see, that tells me you don't know him. Ain't no, I know the difference between thinking and him. I know the difference between me and him. I know the difference between Satan and him. Now watch this one. Satan almost sound like him. Because Satan ain't going to tell me something scary. Satan's going to try to entice me to do what Saul did. Satan is just going to twist it a little bit. God didn't tell you the way. Now me, you can't go by me. Me, me is the lad. I'd rather listen to Satan than me. At least Satan might bless me and destroy me later. Me? I'll destroy me right then. Let me show you how I'll destroy me. God comes and says something. I ain't doing that. 
God on that eighth floor, but ain't no weights. You crazy. Me? Oh, I don't feel like doing Me? I don't think that's God, knowing I don't know the words. <laughs> Me? Ladies, don't take this personally. I can't tell from my women's intuition or the Holy Spirit. I can't tell the difference between my feelings and the spirit of God. So I don't really trust me. At least if I trust, I can blame Satan. But I don't want to blame me. Because then I'm going to see, because you don't like to blame you. Because if you got to blame you, you got to take ownership that you did. Amen. But when you learn these things, oh, I'm feeling so good today. But when you learn it, then you can seize the moment. This is how you can, now for the teaching, this is how you can seize the divine moment. First, and this is why y'all say this to me, so I'm going to kick you out. Because I'm a little sick of it. But why you talk if you already made up your mind? The reason why my mind is made up is because he done told me what to do. I'm just inviting you in to have a conversation. But you ain't going to change my mind. Because he, he, he done told me what to do. I'm just letting you feel good. Because, see, you got your mind made up. You darn right. Because God told me. And I'm going to obey God. Now, the first thing you need. Is to learn to listen to God instead of people. Oh, yeah. oh. Listening by now here, watch this. Listening by praying, reading his word, and being attentive to the Holy Spirit that's within you. And being, watch this, being silent to hear. His voice. Amen. The second thing is you got to learn how to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And when you learn to do that, you done became a surrendered person to God. I love what my wife tells me. She say, I ain't getting between him and his God. I know he loved me, but he loved him more. And she knows that. She knows, baby, you know this. Love you to death. But I love him to life. And he ain't gonna let me hurt you. But you gotta have that first love for God. Then you gotta act upon doing something. You gotta get out of bed. You got to wake up. You got to do something. You got to take a risk and trust God. Because then, by taking a risk, then you got to, then your faith kick in and fear runs away. Give you the last example, I'm going home. Dr. Pearson and I was in the realtor's office. And I knew, I heard everything I needed to hear. Because that's what God had told me 
before we even got there. Every word that came out of their mouth was exactly what the Lord told me to do. So when that divine moment came, when that, no, not you, I don't want you. When that divine moment came, they gave me this. They gave me a pen and said, okay, Pastor, sign this. They gave me this cheap thing. I knew I was doing God's work. Dr. Pearson pulled this out. I know you're right. <laughs> and Y'all see how pretty this thing was? Now, which one I was supposed to sign with? I got this. This is man's work. But when Dr. Pearson gave me this, this is God's work. Not only did he give it to me, he said, you took it, and you didn't even think about it. You just signed your name.
God will say, I am through with you. Because grace done ran out. Many of us need to do one thing. Do what God has called you to do. Obey. Trust him. And when he tell you to step out on faith, you got to step out on faith. You got to get in your life where you jump and there's nothing to grab on to. And as you float down, you steady yelling, Jesus, come get me. He lets you fall as, fall as much as you need to fall. Then he'll catch you and lift you all the way back. But in that falling, he's stripping you of you. That's why I don't mind jumping. I, I, I done jumped enough. I done jumped enough. I done jumped so much, I don't even know what the ground feels like. But it's, it's, it's these divine moments in your life. And you got to look for them. You got to trust God. It, your job. Everything. Everything. You got to take risks. I want to go to college. Well, you ain't going to college talking about it. See, because you got to take a risk. If the Holy Spirit doesn't put it in you to go, go. And trust him. You got to take the initiative. You got to do something. Well, what school I go to? Just go and roll. If it ain't the right school, he'll tell you. I didn't want you to go here, but thank you for trying. But now I'm going to lead you where I want you to go. See, when you take the initiative, you can even be wrong. He'll fix it. He says, what did I really say? So I got to go evaluate the words because y'all have me all over the place. But when you get pinpointed in divine moments, God is out to bless you. Amen. He wants the best for you. Yes. And it's going to take some risk to get the best. Yes. Yes. It's going to take stuff to get the best. I'm not satisfied with my life. I should be. But I'm not. Because I know it's so much God wants me to do. Amen. Are you satisfied? Well, let's get the curtain to coffin. Because he ain't going to tell you to do nothing else. Because he know you ain't going to do it. But listen to the divine moment. And live. It's like, how many of y'all that took risks and it was exciting? All right. Oh, yeah. I didn't say, see, watch this. I looked at somebody. I didn't say it wasn't scary. I just, <laughs> it's exciting. 
How many of you did you used to get on the roller coaster and you were scared, but it was once you got on it and go through it, you were excited. And you might not get back on <laughs> But that one time, that's what life is all about. Taking that risk. But you're not taking it by yourself. You take it with God. You ain't taking it with Pastor Richardson. You taking it with God. And how can when I looked at what God has gotten me to do, and I was talking to my wife, she's such a beautiful person. Yeah. If you're not married to an encourager and a one that trusts God, then you need to trade a man. No, don't listen to that. Turn that on. <laughs> That's not true. That ain't true. I'll have to do another sermon on that. But anyway, but when you got somebody that's with you, that's supporting what God wants, and the beauty of it is, she jumped off the same cliff I jumped off of. Now she could have went, well, I ain't going. But she did. She jumped too. Whether we live or die, she jumped. Amen. But that's the way the body of Christ needs to be. When God tells the church to jump, the church needs to jump. Shall renew their strength. Yes. And 
they will grow up and not be chickens. That's right. You ain't gonna be no hawk. You're not gonna even be a falcon. You gonna be the greatest thing in the bird family. He said you gonna mount up like eagles and soar, not grow weary and not be faint. And you gonna run because he done renewed you. I'm a renewed man. And I'm ready to run. How many of you tired? How many of you tired? Are you tired? Okay. See, Wanda, get up. Yeah, Wanda. For the tired folks. No, get behind me and grab the mic. Because Wanda going to sing a good old-fashioned Negro spiritual. I think it's a Negro spiritual. Anyway, it's old-fashioned hymn, song. Would you go see me? I'm no way tired. Come on. Everybody get up. And help her. 